I think the website had only been up for a couple months at that point. It was the most viewed video of all time on YouTube. We would just get random people running around our house and giggling like, <laughs> and it was like, it was straight out of a horror movie or people ringing the doorbell, ding dong, ding dong. The thing that freaked me out most where I realized, oh shit, we really gotta take this seriously was I opened up Twitter and I saw that I had this tweet to me that was a picture of me through my bedroom window. Some of the comments were so hyper specific, am I not without an attachment to Smosh. How has your relationship to this online fame been? Do you have a tip on how to do a great intro? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Today, I had the chance to interview Anthony Padilla. He got started when YouTube was only two months old in 2005 and even had a video website before that. And he got the most liked video, the most subscribed channel um, at the time. And he's been in this game for over 17 years. I mean, you started Smosh, like, was, was it like 20 years ago? It, it's, it's <laughs> almost, yeah, 17 years ago. 17 yeah. years ago, like, that's like the OG. Well, I guess if you count the website, that's like, it was 21 years ago for the website, but then Smosh. 17 com. years ago. Yes, yes, wow. exactly. I was 14 and I was just programming a website, not knowing that it would be anything. How did that, like, yeah. why did you even get started, like, interested in, in programming a website in 2002? Um, yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I grew up in a household with just, um, we, we, we struggled uh, financially and it just felt like I would, my mom's agoraphobic. Jeez, there's a lot to unpack here. My mom's agoraphobic, which means that she only feels safe at home um, and she does not go out. So it's, it's very, it, it's, it's very debilitating. And mm. I had this fear growing up that I would live that same lifestyle. Eventually at some point, something would happen. I would start having panic attacks as well. My anxiety would become out of control and I would also feel like my only safe place was at home. And that fear was always just kind of eating at me in my head. You know, I might be trapped in this home in some way, like my mom, if I don't do something. And so you I, thought you would get that same phobia, like that you. Would, yeah, oh. yeah. And and I thought that it was genetic because um, her mom dealt with some issues as well. And it was just this lingering fear and. My dad, you know, my mom and dad are separated, but my, my dad has been there in my life and he made sure uh, to get me a computer because I was fascinated by technology and what computers could do when I was young. And every time I would see my computer sitting in my bedroom, yes, I was a very lucky kid. I had a computer in my bedroom connected to the internet at 12 years old. Don't ask what I searched. And I saw my computer as a gateway like infinite resources you know yeah. like it was it was just data that you, you could just create and the only limit was what my mind was capable of conjuring up so while i felt so limited with my resources in real life the tangible like nothing felt like didn't feel like i had any tangible resources but my computer just felt like infinite resources so i I just kind of became obsessed with my computer and the internet and what I could do if I could just search something, you know? So I, I self-taught my, I taught myself every, everything that I could. I, I was fascinated by learning how to program games. I did flash animations. I wanted to have a place to put uh, my, my own animations and stuff that I made. I uh, felt like there was no way for my small group of friends and I to, to keep up after school. So uh, I made uh, Smosh.com and put a forum on there where we could all communicate with each other. And it kind of became a hub for a lot of different people at my school to have a place to communicate. And that was, that's kind of the beginning there. And I just became obsessed with how exciting it was that if I could just think of it, I could search it and I could learn it and I could make it happen. So that was like, uh, was this back in the Alta Vista days? Like, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was asking Jeeves a lot of things. Netscape. I had my Angel Fire and GeoCities website. Wow. <laughs> wow, this is this is really like, I think 
back then, I'm I'm a f- I'm a three years younger than you, but I think back then I mm. had a modem, so I had to you know call i had to use the phone line so nobody else in my household could use the phone once while i was on the internet was that the same thing for you or were you like on broadband (laughs) adsl yeah yeah no 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 it was not broadband my mom was pissed because i was on i was using the dial-up internet all the time all the (laughs) time she could never receive a phone call yeah we could have death in the family she wouldn't have known for weeks (laughs) exactly and you would pay per minute and it would be like the signal you hear like yeah not younger people won't know this but there's like a super distinctive like signal audio sound when you call um, like when the modem calls oh, you mean, exactly that yeah robots it takes talking like, to me oh yeah uh mm-hmm. that's the sound you never forget if you're i think born no. in that area uh, never forget also did you ever use uh free internet back in the day that was powered by ads no i didn't what was that? We, Sounds I, like so a lot I, of I ran, I ran out of my 120 hour, free hours of AOL. So, uh, you know, those CDs. Did you ever have those CDs in Sweden? Or it was just like free AOL hours? We didn't have, like, it, it's, it's kind of weird because it was yeah. kind of like a state program where they subsidized computers. So a lot of households mm. hold, had them. But I think then you paid, like, your phone service, like, service something. Like, we mm. paid per minute. So it was like a, you had uh, your, I had a minute. A, a minute quota per week that I could spend on oh. in it in my family. Yeah, got it. No, no, it was. It, I think that we were paying monthly. Usually, that's what you mm. would do, but we could not afford that. So I would find any free AOL disc that or CD that had like 120 free hours on it, and I would use it up. And after I used up too much of those things, I uh, found this free internet, and you had to like it was covered in ads. Like one eighth of the screen was the browser. And then the rest were ads. And then every once in a while, you couldn't even use the browser because it would show you an ad there as well. It was, it was horrible. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that sounds, uh, that sounds a bit intense, but you, but you were like learning, you were basically learning by yourself. Like you, you found ways to find stuff online and then like develop that skill and then like applying that. That's like what people are you know, paying these gurus thousands of dollars to do mm. now. But you did that like that. Yeah, Google searches and nothing, like it was all different sources and nothing was like, there was no hub. Yeah, You know, you couldn't go to YouTube and search for tutorials. It was whatever random site and forum that you could find. Uh, a lot of a lot of just trial and error because people would say things that just would not work. Mm. So... Yeah. And, then, and then Smosh kind of like developed into this media platform that eventually became YouTube. Or like, can you take me through how, how that development happened? Yeah. Um, so I had this website and I learned very quickly that the more popular that the website became, the more expensive it became to run it. Um, so then I, I became obsessed with finding ways to, to, to monetize it, to, to put ads on there. I signed up for Google AdSense when it was in its infancy and, you know, you'd make $3 a day. And I mean, that was, that was, that was, that was a very good $90. Whoa, bro. Um, in a single month. And I, I decided it was worth it. I, I, pulled money together uh with my group of friends i think they all gave me like five dollars a month and and we had enough to to pay for this and um kind of like I, a crowdfunding or like just as a donation yeah, crowdfunding with my seven friends okay <laughs> okay got it yeah uh well actually no i did i did also make t-shirts that i sold to a bunch of people at my school to earn money as well so i was over at my dad's place and I saw that he had a webcam and I didn't know anyone in the world that owned a webcam. So I was super impressed with it. And I was like, can I borrow this? Uh, spoiler alert, I never gave it back. But I, I, I borrowed it and uh, my friend Ian, we would hang out all the time and he would, it was a kind of friendship where you would literally have nothing to do and you would just sit <laughs> in the room and, and you would both just be doing nothing. And I remember I was, I had uh, torrented the Power Rangers theme song (laughs) and 
I turned on the webcam that, that I just got and I started doing some dumb lip syncing to it. And Ian popped in and he did a little dumb thing. And then we just uh, kind of did that back and forth. And I downloaded, uh, torrented uh, an editing software. And I, there was no tutorial for how to use it. And I wasn't about to read this ridiculous manual with all this information I didn't need. So it was just, you know, tinkering with it. And I edited together the Power Rangers theme song lip sync video, which was the very <laughs> first video that Ian and I ever created together. And uh, I put Smosh.com in the corner and hoped that maybe it would find life on the internet somewhere, draw traffic back to the website. We could earn money. The, the only issue was that there was no place to host the video except on my own website. Like without YouTube, before YouTube, where do you host the video? Yeah. You know, you, you, so I was lucky enough to know how to host my own content on my own website. The only issue is that video files are very big mm. and, uh, you know, no matter how much you compress it because you want to make sure that everyone on their dial-up internet can actually view it, it's still expensive. Every time someone watches that, you have to pay a couple cents, Yeah. right? Because the bandwidth is pretty expensive at that time. So we were, we, I utilized MySpace, which didn't allow you to host your own video. So I hosted on my own website but put it on MySpace. So every time someone went to my MySpace profile, it would load from my website. I'd pay two cents for them to see it. My pleasure, I'll cover the costs. Um, and I think one, I think the smartest thing I ever did at that time was I coded this little iframe. And if you're familiar with HTML, it's, uh, or if you're not familiar with HTML, not it's buried. this little box uh, that, that uh, displays other content. It's scrollable in its own little window. And I put instructions for how to, I was like, control A to, cop, to, to highlight all of it. Then control C to copy all of it. Then go to your MySpace profile, press control V and paste it in there. And the only way I found out that people started doing that is because my bill started being higher and higher on Smosh.com. <laughs> that was the you, only way. I, there was no way to growth. track any of this stuff. <laughs> Your, so, um, what? Your, your video analytics at the time was your monthly bill. Yes. But yes, at, the, exactly. at, the wrong, at the wrong end. With a minus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the, the deeper I was in the red, I was like, should I be happy about how much I'm having to pay for this? <laughs> um, but, but I think the, the smartest thing about that was every time someone pasted that to their page, I embedded another instruction and iframe on how to do that. So they would copy it for mine paste it to theirs, and then mm. it would automatically be under their video too, informing others how to do that. And it became kind of a viral thing after we uploaded our Mortal Kombat lip sync video. We were like, I guess we're the lip sync guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> our 12 friends loved it. So um, I saw that the bill was like $300 one month. And I was like, yo, I think this means that a lot of people are viewing this thing. So I went on Google and, and typed in Mortal Kombat theme song and it popped up on this website, which now I know is called YouTube. At the time, I couldn't remember what the name. I was like, was it iTube? What? I couldn't figure out what the oh, name wow. of this website was for the longest time afterwards. But I decided to message them and ask them to remove the, the re-upload that they uploaded there. It had like 12 comments and I, I was like, yo, this... This new website, we can host the video there and we don't have, I don't have to pay for this. So that was the biggest draw to upload on YouTube. Not even like some kind of uh, notoriety or, or fame from the video. It was like, I don't have to pay the $300 a month. YouTube will front this for me. So somebody um, else had uploaded it? You found it there? Someone else had taken oh, the video okay. from my server and put it on YouTube. And... That was, it was November 2005 before YouTube even really was a thing. It was like in its infancy. I think the website had only been up for a couple months at that point. It still said beta on the, the logo. Mm -hmm. And a few days later, about a week later, we, we uploaded our video there. And there was this button that used to, or this little link at the bottom that used to say suggest for front page. And because I did website programming, I knew that if it wasn't coded in a very specific way, which most people didn't code it in this specific way at the time, 
you could just sit there and click it and it would register every click without reloading the page. So I took it upon myself to do a little hours worth of work. And I sat there just clicking. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know how they programmed it. I don't know if every single time I'm clicking this, it's counting or if I'm just sitting here doing this for nothing. And I still don't really know if, <laughs> if, it, if added it did to anything. It. But the next day it was on the front page of YouTube. Oh. And the front page of YouTube was the only place that you could find new content without just kind of searching through stuff on YouTube at the time. And at that exact time, news articles started posting about this new website as well. Like, is this the future? Will video be the future? Considering we're all on dial-up internet right now, it probably won't be because nothing better than dial-up internet will ever exist. Yeah. But um, everyone started going to the website at that moment, and there was our video on the front page. And I think, yeah, I remember at the time, you could refresh the YouTube page, and it would be live updated. The views would go up every single time you updated the page. And it was the most wild feeling where the moment that the page refreshed enough for you to see the number, I would click refresh and it would go up by two or three views because <laughs> everyone was funneling into YouTube at the time. Yeah. And that was, that was the beginning of it. And I was just happy that I didn't have to pay for the bandwidth myself. Was that like one of the videos in the early days that really took off like in virality already then? Or did that happen after a while? Yeah, that was the first video that we ever made. That was definitely the beginning of my career doing any of this. Yeah. And I think, I think within uh, a month or so, it had a million views. And a million views in it was 2005. The, yes, yes. Wow. And that's, that's huge. And it was, it was the most viewed video of all time on YouTube. Because when you clicked videos, it would first go to most viewed of all time. And then you would have other tabs of, of the month, of the week, of the day. Um, and, and that just sat there as the number one most video, viewed video for, for months until it was eventually taken down in 2007 for copyright infringement. Oh, okay. Because of that. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, had tw it had 24 million views by the time it was taken down. And then it was which, taken down. So it's, it's still, it's not there if you search for it. Like it's in, it's in not the, there. In the same uh -uh. Form. If you, uh, I remember having access to the Smosh channel, which I don't have anymore. But I remember, you know, you would go there and it would just say, remove for copyright infringement, 24 million views. I was like, oh, oh no. That would yeah. have been some, like, something for MoMA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I, don't, I wonder how many views it would have because people have re-uploaded it and those yeah. have tens of millions of views. Yeah, they're I different versions. So I checked. Curious. I checked. It was like different versions, but I checked two and both of them had like at least two million. That's insane. Yeah. My favorite part was was searching for the video and finding it popping up uh, with all the different languages that the Pokemon <laughs> theme song had been dubbed into. So it was like Turkish, then it was the Japanese version, then it was like the like smaller and smaller, like Romani, all these smaller languages. It was so cool to like hear how it sounded. How did that change your life? Like when this happened, you went from being, you know, I guess you had some anxiety about getting this phobia eventually and then you yeah. suddenly are well youtube is not what it is today obviously but you were also like kind of killing it on the platform yeah how, how was how was life I mean, my entire life changed at that moment i didn't realize it at the time but it took my attention away from my fears and it funneled all of my attention to my excitement about the endless possibilities and you know, that, that excitement that I had looking at my computer feeling like it was infinite never ended. And I felt like all I had to do was, was just continue learning and learning and absorbing as much as I could about the possibilities. And I could literally do anything. It was wild, a wild feeling to feel like I could, like you're told as a kid, you could do anything if you put your mind to it. And I felt like I had that opportunity given to me and I wasn't about to let that slide. And you were like 18, 17, 18 or something like that? or Yeah, uh, yeah. I had just turned 18 uh, when that video was uploaded. Did you ever like yeah, think I, about it like from a business perspective or what, how, you know, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, it's weird because there was no way to make money on the internet um, through video at the time. 
there was no monetization until 2007 when the video was removed for copyright. I think it's probably, they probably realized, oh, people could make money on this now. You know what? This, this video has gone. Um, but we were one of the first channels, one of the first 10 channels to be introduced into the monetization program on YouTube. And that's, I was like, oh shit, I could buy a car. I can do all these things that I never thought that I would able, I would be able to personally do myself. And I didn't ever think of it as a business, but I just knew that I loved doing it and all the money that we made from it. I was putting into like very important things in my life, decided, you know what, after 14 years of having the same bed, probably time to upgrade my bed, get a car. But other than that, all the money was funneling back into the production. And we were just excited to see all these possibilities that we had. And uh, that's like high school age. So after high school, were you, then you were basically putting all your time into this when school was done or how, how did you spend yeah, the time? Yeah, I started... I started going to community college. Um, I knew that there was no way I could afford to move to a different city or go to a big college. So I decided, you know, I'll just, I'll do the, the cheapest option that I have for a college. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I started taking classes that would lead me toward business administration. And I didn't know exactly what that meant, but in my head I was like, okay, I can maybe learn how to run a business. I like running a website. I like the idea of, having a team working under me where I could just come up with ideas and then I could tell someone and they could make it happen. So I thought that might be the path that I was going to go down and I would just have to learn how to utilize those skills later. But it turns out that I didn't need to go to college to learn how to do that stuff. I was so excited about it. And uh, my brain was just so uh, it lit up at the idea of putting all these things into practice that I decided I didn't actually need to go to college. And I don't think it was that scary, but I told my parents, you know, like I, I can always go back to college if I, if I need to, but this opportunity that I have now to make videos is a once in a lifetime opportunity and I would be a fool to pass it up. And they agreed luckily. And, you know, partly maybe it's because my mom never, you know, my mom never graduated high school, so maybe she was like, you know, it's, I, I didn't, like, foresee you being, like, the valedictorian uh, kid that gets straight A's anyway. It's, it's, it's fine, you know. She, I think she really saw that, you know, while I wasn't very excited about school, I was so excited about this. And I really did. I think, I think she could feel that I, I just had this, this passion, this, this feeling of infinite possibilities. So she was like, yeah, go for it. So you dropped out in, in the first year? Yeah, uh, I dropped out of all of the, all the classes that I didn't want to take, I dropped out of. And then I started taking only elective classes that I felt like maybe could benefit me. I took uh, film writing class. I took uh, acting for camera and improv. And I just focused on only the classes that could benefit this vision that I had about um, you know, possibly turning this YouTube thing into a longer term goal. And then you ran this and you built it kind of like built a team around this as well. Can you take me through like how, how Smosh eventually developed the relationship there with, <laughs> uh, with you and Ian? Yeah, so I had a ton of experience doing the website. So I was spending a lot of my time still programming that and maintaining that. Um, and then uh, I spent all of my waking hours learning how to edit and do anything that I could that would benefit making these YouTube videos. So Ian was able to focus more of his energy on writing the ideas that we had. So we would spitball ideas, he, we would write notes together, and then I would be editing a video that we had just shot while he would be writing out an actual script. And, you know, we learned together how to write scripts based on our, our, um, our, some classes that we took in that community college together. And it was a slow process of like, oh, you in our uh, acting for camera class, you know how to hold a camera. And it was just some guy that we got along with. Well, so we brought him on kind of as a freelance person to, uh, to shoot some stuff with us. And then it was really just like slowly but surely 
people, like someone from our class knew someone else who could do audio. So then we brought them on. And we built a very, very small production team of, I think, four or maybe five of us. And we started getting some recognition from outside places around 2008, 2009. And because I, I had this website, we worked with a company that was able to put ads on the website for us. So that was the only way for a while that we could make outside revenue off of YouTube besides selling t-shirts, which we were printing at the shady <laughs> warehouse behind my yeah. house next to the grocery store that was really disgusting and probably illegal. And then packaging them in my bedroom and taking all this huge box of packages to the post office, waiting in line, everyone behind us grumbling because they just have one package and we have like 70 t-shirts that were like, huh. yeah, just, just ship them out. But, you know, when we, <laughs> that was, that was very difficult to do that all of our, all by ourselves. So we had some outside help with selling some ads on the website. And by 2011, we were six years deep into doing YouTube and they said, Hey, you know, we're having some success. Um, you know, you're funneling a lot of people to the website from the videos because we'd always put the smosh.com address at the beginning of every video. So people started going there. We started. That's what drove them to the website. I was thinking like, what, was, what, what makes people go from a YouTube video to a website? But that's because you had this watermark in the video. Yes. Yeah. Watermark. And also we started releasing smosh extras and they were behind the scenes clips. They were bloopers. They were just us messing around while shooting a video and a lot of people went over to the website to check out this extra content. And because I spent so much of my time learning how to program before we started doing videos, I, I still was doing that. And I created a little community on the forums. And uh, at the time I had it so that every single person that was online and logged in would their name would be listed out name, comma, name, comma, name. And I remember, you know, before I'd say at the peak of the website, it was something like 4,000 users online. And I went to the page and it was just name, comma, name, comma. It was like, <laughs> a, like books and books and books of just all these people online on the website just to, to see the extra content. And then wow. they, they found a community of people that also like the same kind of content. And I thought that I was going to turn Smosh.com into like a social media platform for people that liked memes. Um, and... It just became so much for me to handle that while also doing the video stuff. And the company that was selling some of our ads was like, we have an offer for you. Listen up here. We, we could potentially purchase Smosh. And that idea of selling my, my company for something that was worth anything <laughs> was just unfathomable. You know, I, I grew yeah, was up that even on your radar? Like, did you know? No, those no, 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 no. I never no. considered it at all. And it was a very difficult decision. You know, they were like, we can offer you stock in the company. And therefore, obviously, this company is going to grow to be massive. So, um, you know, the value will be this amount now, but obviously, it's going to go much, much more. And I was like, whoa, the possibilities are insane what I could do if this ends up being a really big thing. And we had a lot of people that we really trusted telling us that it was the best idea because not only would we have some stock in this company that we thought would be a very, very big company, but also, um, you know, on top of that, there was, there was a little bit more stability because there was no stability before that your check was super, super low, then super high one month and super low because the views were low. And it, it just felt like, I think I was, I was scared of having kind of that, that chaotic financial situation that I was in growing up. And I, I wanted some stability. All I wanted to do was not have to worry about money. And they, they offered us a four year contract to continue working for the company and be a salaried employee. So I could have a guaranteed amount of money that I, I just knew would come in regardless of what the situation was. And in 2011, I was a little bit nervous about the state of YouTube because they were changing so many things up too. 
So I had a, a little bit of fear and also the excitement that they offered us. Hey, we have so many resources. We can take over all this website stuff for you. All the things that you want to do with the website done by us, taken care of. You don't have to worry about that. And we can help you with production. You have ideas that you can't bring to life because you're bogged down. And that was the most exciting thing. You know, all fear aside, I was so excited about the possibilities of where we could take this thing and how many new opportunities that we would have. So we decided we would sell it. And that was in 2011. And you and Ian were owning it like half, half before that? Yeah, we, we both owned it. Um, we had uh, a manager who, who owned a small portion of it with us. Ian's dad actually owned a very tiny bit because he was an accountant and he did all the tax stuff for the company. We were like, I don't know how to do this shit. Finances, <laughs> I don't know. Numbers, uh, I don't know. So he took care of all of that. And, you know, we, we sold at that time. And things were really, really great for three to four years. And you got to at do the time, same thing as you've been before, but just with more resources, more possibilities. Was that exactly. Right? And I got to focus all of my energy on just writing uh, these videos, coming up with ideas, which I love doing, and just being in the videos. And, you know, overall, it just felt like I got to spend my life hanging out with my best friend, making each other laugh, writing scripts together just sounds like a dream it felt like it, it, it was a dream and it, it felt like that that same magic that we felt just hanging out with each other after school and in high school and we got to live that every single day and all the things that came along with this that were too much for me to handle and overwhelm me someone else now, now got to take care of so it just felt like this golden era right after they purchased for about four years where we had so many resources and anything that we thought of, we could make happen. And the reason I keep saying four years is because I feel like around that time, four years deep, I started to realize that it wasn't just, you know, anything that I wanted to happen, they could help happen. It was like, you know, we signed to do we, we were getting paid at a certain amount to do a certain amount of work and we signed that contract. But then it became this nagging sentiment of you should be doing more because you have stock in the company. And the more that you do, the more that the value of the stock raises. So you got to do more, you know, launch this channel, launch the cartoons channel, do a comic book, do a magazine, do, uh, you know, this, this spinoff series. And then every time I'd be like, ah, oh, that's a lot of work. We have too much on our plate. They'd be like, you kind of have to. And then it just became this, this very draining environment where I felt like I never had a moment to myself. And I, I realized, oh shit, we sold the company. That doesn't just mean that we have infinite resources and this is still ours. <laughs> it means that we're working for someone else. Like the most obvious thing. Yeah. I don't know how it slipped past <laughs> me. I think I, I, I got, you know, my eyes were just blinded by by the idea of all the possibilities and those those last two years there i'd say maybe 2015 to 2017 were really really difficult for me and i ended up leaving in 2017 what was your your personal life like at this time did you have fans running after you and like how, how, <laughs> what, what was it like you know because it, it's it still, was nuts it's still the early days of of youtube right so yeah like, it was such an early time on YouTube that we didn't know that you should not record the front of your house with your address in it huh. and upload it to YouTube to be seen by millions of people. We didn't know that we shouldn't go down to the corner of the street and show the cross street intersection where people could easily search that. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were doing that stuff before like Google Maps was really a thing. Street View wasn't even a thing. So we didn't know that, that it would be a possibility for someone to just type in the cross streets and then boom, go to street view and see the exact same image and be like, cool, I'm going to show up there. So there were these times where it was like, we would just get random people running around our house and giggling. Like, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was straight out of a horror movie or wow. people ringing the door, the doorbell, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. And it would be like, the That's fuck? scary. And oh my God. We, we're, uh, we were, I remember hunkering down. We rolled down all the shades one day. We were trying to edit a video because we were releasing our annual food battle video. 
and we were staying up late editing that thing. And it was always a situation where I was always on the computer, just going out and Ian would be over my shoulder, like suggesting things. And we would just be, just have no energy because we stayed up for 14 hours editing this thing. And this one day specifically, people were just running around the house. People were like, not literally camping out outside, but just like sitting around, hanging out with each other. I don't know why this day randomly, there was like 20 people all hanging outside our house. We just shut all of our windows and we were just trying to finish editing this video while people were just ringing the doorbell like crazy. Wow. Did did that ever like, I mean, did anything become really scary at some point? Like, I, I guess it, it all like with magnitude, with more people, just more random things happen. Yeah. I mean, some scary stuff happened. I would say the, the, the thing that freaked me out most where I realized, oh shit, we really got to take this seriously was, uh, I opened up Twitter one day in 2009. So the, the website was very, very young as well. And I saw that I had this tweet to me that was a picture of me through my bedroom window. Oh my God. And, and all it said was hint, I'm your friend. And I was drunk. And I was like, and it was a name that sounded like it was a made up person's name. It was like, I don't remember what it was. Uh, and I was like, I don't know anyone with this name. And I decided, okay, I'm going to give this person the benefit of the doubt that it really is my friend. So I asked every single person that I knew and they were all like, whoa, no, that is not me. That's creepy, dude. And I was like, fuck, someone took pictures of me through my window. I'm glad I was not naked. My, I was just sitting there playing my 3DS, but I very well could have been naked. So I'm glad I didn't see that. that would been, I would have had a very different life if, that, <laughs> if someone tweeted that to me. Wow. Yeah. You've been in this game for way longer than, you know, many creators that are popping off today. You've kind of seen it the way it is now, where somebody can become, you know, overnight famous over TikTok. But you also had it back then where it was more kind of, uh, it was kind of wilder also because you didn't know these things that you're not supposed to film your street sign. Um, <laughs> but uh, like, so what's your view? Now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, maybe not to, but I guess you learn. Uh, and also I think you hear these stories that make you like more, uh, you know, uh, aware, yeah, I guess. Aware. But how has your relationship to, to this kind of like online fame been? I've kind of feel like I went, I've, I've, I've gone the, the route of just giving the, the internet all of me before, you know, I, I had a vlog channel with with an ex, uh, and we recorded, I think that we uploaded like every single day. And it was like, people had insight into my life and my personal life. And I would see constant comments, uh, from people telling me how I should or shouldn't live my life or that I should be aware or I shouldn't do this, or I'm doing too much of this. And I think it got into my head that I wasn't capable of doing anything without other people's opinions shaping me in some way. And you know, luckily, after getting out of that relationship, I was able to kind of close the door on opening up myself entirely. And I think that I kind of, I started to have a better perspective around that time. I think I was, uh, you know, I was in my mid twenties. Finally, the internet wasn't in its infancy anymore. And I learned the hard way with many different things. And one of those things was that I should not give more to the internet than I feel comfortable with. I thought that I just kind of had to. It was like, oh, people are vlogging now, so you just have to vlog now. And I thought that was just a thing that you just kind of had to do. And I, I learned, oh, I, I can decide what I should or shouldn't put out there. What do I want some random person that I walk down the street to know about me? Yeah. And also, I don't know what it was like at that time, but where probably there were fewer vloggers at the time also. So like, I mean, people, the audience had fewer lives to get so deep into, if you know what I mean. Like today yeah. you have, you have these yeah. vloggers where you can do that, but I guess that also played in that you could get to yeah. see everybody and it was in the early days. Yeah. I mean, there were probably 30 big vloggers at any given moment around that time. Mm. And yeah, a lot of people felt very, very invested. It was before we had words like parasocial relationship and yeah. things like that. And, um, 
were you always certain like I'm, I want to stay making videos, like I want to tell stories, or were you ever considering a lifestyle of a nine to five job? Like you know, <laughs> what, 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 how, how have your thinking around your lifestyle been? Yeah. So when I left Smosh in 2017, I didn't know what my future was going to hold at all. Uh, I literally thought anything could happen. Um, I've never had a nine to five job though. So I don't even know how I would go about doing that. I've never made a resume. I just, <laughs> anything that I wanted to do, I just found a way to, to make it happen through the internet. Yeah. And I don't think that I ever thought that I was going to go into like a nine to five job, but I felt like there, um, I mean, to, to be honest, I was just, I was just so lost and I felt like I needed to try everything I could with this YouTube stuff because it was all I knew, but also I did really enjoy doing it. And I felt like I just needed to find my passion again after leaving Smosh because I felt like I entirely lost my passion for what I was doing when I just felt like I wasn't in control of my own fate anymore. So now that I was in control, it brought a whole new slew of worries and one of the things that I didn't anticipate was when I left to start anew, I was floundering around trying to figure out what I was doing while millions of people were watching me figure myself out. Mm. And right. I didn't realize how much pressure I would feel to live up to uh, you know, the glory of, of Smosh that I had in part created. I didn't realize that I would feel uh, my sense of self-worth attached to numbers and success. I didn't realize I was feeling all these feelings. I didn't realize that for my entire life, my entire career, anytime that I put in more and more work, I was seeing more and more success. The numbers were rising. And I didn't realize that simply having an excitement and passion for something was not enough to keep those numbers rising. I started figuring out things that I really love doing, but no one gave a shit. <laughs> and at the same time, I was getting comments like irrelevant, washed up, has been, you know, all these things that did now I get I to you? If I heard like, it. Did you, did but that... it definitely did. It yeah. definitely did because some of the comments were so hyper specific oh. with insecurities that I didn't know I had, but I did have. They were like, you know, Smosh is better without you and you were the weakest link and uh your only success will ever have been for you know being part of that mm. and you only had success because you got in earlier than anyone else and no one would care if you started now and again now i wouldn't care because now i find uh, my excitement in creating things and not through the perspective of what other people see of me and now I'd be able to be like, oh, that's not true. That's not true. But at the time I was like, is that true? And <laughs> I, I, that was my cue to start going to therapy at that moment. Uh, to to kind of get a better handle on my perspective of myself and my work and where my self-worth and value actually was derived. And... At this time, I guess you also had kind of like the freedom financially wise to to play around. I guess you that's why you didn't really have to take a day job. Like you you had kind of the the freedom to to try different things out. Uh yeah, I I had enough I had enough money saved up in my bank from from my my salary that I was able to take some risks. I knew that I had I knew I had about two years of uh complete and absolute utter failure that I could experience before I had to really start worrying. So I tried not to worry too much about my, my finances within that time period. And I just, I just kept throwing out what I thought could work. And it was just constant experiments, throwing shit at the wall and seeing if it stuck. And I experienced, I feel, I, I guess, failure after failure after failure. At the time, it felt like failure after failure, but now I look back on it as experimentation. Oh, that didn't go well. Cool. Let's try something new. And I'm glad I didn't get entirely discouraged because there were moments where I was like, am I nothing without an attachment to Smosh? 
And I'm glad I didn't give up because I finally got to a point where the views were so low compared to what I was getting at Smosh. Smosh, you know, millions of views a video. My channel, I was getting 30,000 views a video, which of course is a great number to many people, especially when you're climbing up and you reach that number. That's a great number. It's a great, great benchmark. But, but you're comparing I that. Yeah. So much familiarity with, with, you know, people caring about what I was doing. A lot of people seeing what I was doing. I, I was like, shit, no one, no one cares. No one's watching. No one cares about me. And I think that was actually a blessing in disguise because it was almost like, it was almost like that scene in Home Alone when he wakes up and realized that no one is in his house. He's completely alone. And then he's like, I made my family disappear. He's like, I made my family disappear. <laughs> and I felt that feeling where I was like, no one gives a shit. Let's see what I can do without all that pressure of, of living up to what I thought someone expected of me. So then, then it became a fun game of, oh, let's see if that works. Ah, it didn't work. Ooh, some people thought that was interesting. You know, I was actually interested by certain elements of that as well. Maybe I could expand on that. And then I just, then I, then I started experimenting with uh, this interview series that I, that I did. Right, right when I left Smosh, I made this kind of fake interview video uh, about, it was where I sat down with other YouTubers who were big at the time and independent because I had just been with a company. I didn't know how to be a YouTuber on my own anymore. So I sat down with them and it, it took a very purposely awkward tone, kind of like Nathan Fielder a little bit, where I was like, so at the end of my videos, what should I uh, say? Because a lot of people say to subscribe at the end, you got to have a tagline to get people to interact with the video, <laughs> right? And uh, my buddy John Kozar was like, I don't know, say, tell him to press the like button. And I was like, I turned to the camera and I was like, press a like. And it was so like purposely awkward, which now press a like is the name of my company that I make all these uh. interviews with. Uh, at the time it was like, press a like button. But now I've, I've, I've reimagined what the, the name means. I stared at the name one day. It was all lowercase, all smashed together. I was like, that kind of looks like just two words, press a like. And I was like, oh shit. Press now with this interview series that I'm doing, we're press that shows that we're much more alike <laughs> than we might've thought. So that's kind of how, you know, wow. a lot of these things have evolved just very naturally. Now I feel like at one point right after I left Smosh specifically, I was like trying to force things to work this way because I thought it should try to force people to like this thing because I thought that it, uh, they should like it because I liked it. But now it's, it's a lot of like, where, where we just naturally go with these things. And once I had that freedom to just do whatever I wanted, when I realized no one gave a shit about me anymore, I started experimenting with this interview series. And I, I, at first it was, I spent a day with flat earthers because right. I thought this series maybe I didn't think of it as a series actually at first. I, I thought that this was going to be, you know, maybe an episode where I sat down with people who believe something really weird. And then I kind of play into believing this weird thing just to see what kind of reactions I could get. And then, yeah, you planted I, new theories and tested them on these people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. I was like, I, I would try to come up with these theories that were as ridiculous as a lot of the concepts that I was hearing about the earth being flat. And I was like, spin this ball. And then I poured water on top of it. I was like, the water just falls right off. And the, uh, the flat earther was like, yeah, you're right. Because if the earth was round, the water would roll off it. And, you know, all these weird things, obviously not taking into account physics or gravity, but, you know, we'll let that slide. And I thought that's kind of what it was going to be like. And eventually, you know, a few videos later, I spend a day with furries and I'm learning about furries. And, uh, you know, I had a casting agency help me uh, get the furries that were going to be in the video. And I thought that they were just local furries that didn't know who I was, didn't care, didn't give a shit. But they... A lot of them were like, I love your stuff growing up. I'm a huge fan. And immediately, obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to be, a, I'm not going to kind of like clown on someone who, who's a fan of I me. Mean, that, that's fucked up. You know, the flat earthers didn't know or give a shit who I was. So I felt like I was kind of anonymous in that sense. And I decided, you know, 
that wasn't necessarily my goal going into it, but it, it very much changed my entire perspective and reason for talking to people. And I actually was really curious. I was like, wait, why do you dress up in a fursuit? Like so many people hate furries. They, they think you're gross and disturbing and all these things, but you still do it. So what can you explain? You I, can you explain just like your definition of a furry, like what that is? Yeah. So from what I learned from the video is that furries are people who feel more comfortable sometimes not appearing as themselves, as having a new persona. They call it a fursona. And they get to live a life with an image of themselves that they get to choose rather than the one that was given to them. And I saw, you know, this, this deep humanity in the responses and reasons that they gave me for what they did. And I realized, oh, wait, I, I kind of sometimes wish that I wasn't living the life I was given. You know, at that time, I was, I was really struggling with a lot of mental health issues. And I was like, sometimes I don't want to be living this life that I was given. I, I want to create my own life, too. You know, and that was part of the reason I even got into um, you know, all the computer stuff when I was younger, I wanted to create my own life. I didn't want to just live the life that was handed to me. And I felt like if I lived the life that was handed to me, I would, all the fears that I had about having agoraphobia and being trapped in this house and, and just struggling with finances my entire life was, was going to be my reality. So I created my own and furries were doing the exact same thing in a different way. And you know, moving forward with that series. That's, that's why the sloth is is a uh, part of it because I wore I came out with a sloth fursuit to surprise them. It was like a a really cheap <laughs> one that I got on Amazon, but you know, and we shared laughs about it. And it was this big turning moment for me where I realized that no matter how strange someone appears on the surface, how much society does not accept a type of person for the things that they do or the things that they believe there is this deeper humanity that you can find with anyone you know regardless of how much you agree or disagree with them there is something about everyone that you can connect with that you can learn from and as i started doing this series and doing more and more episodes with more different types of people i learned about myself i learned about my own mental health i learned about my own struggles i learned more about my mom's mental health and why she has agoraphobia and all the resentment that I had for my mom growing up for not being able to show up to my graduation, even though I got my hopes up that I had this, you know, skewed perspective that if she shows up to my graduation, it means that she loves me, you know, and I was able to understand by learning about so many different types of people that my mom struggles with things that I don't have to fully understand. And, you know, I, I, I did start to learn more to understand and she's had very difficult things happen in her life up to that point. And it put everything into perspective, all these frustrations and this anger that I had about all these different types of things in my life and different people in my life and different circumstances that I was in. I was able to understand it so much better. And it felt like this release. And I still get that talking and learning from so many different types of people on my show. I feel so much more at peace because I don't have this built up resentment and frustration within me anymore. I think it's, you know, I think it's, uh, it's so interesting with the, with the interview series, because it's, you know, the, the world is, is becoming very polarized and there's a lot of, voices that don't get heard for more than, you know, 15 seconds or, you know, if even, mm-hmm. um, but I learned, I learned so much from just for instance, the, uh, the episode with the multiple personalities, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. I saw was like one of the most popular videos. Um, yeah. it's a very big step from the funny skits kind of like, you know, and smosh. And mm-hmm. I guess we also were experimented to having these very, serious conversations in some cases well not maybe not serious but like they're very different they're not like a a comedy show anymore i guess yeah 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 i mean i like to have very serious conversations while padding it with 
with a, with a sense of humor. You yeah, know, I don't, I don't want anything to feel so dark. No, that, exactly. That it's still becomes, entertainment. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I and that has been my 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 biggest passion and excitement with this series is finding ways to have very real conversations that I think people need to hear and finding a way to make it exciting and have a little sense of entertainment and laughter thrown in there a sense of humor is still thrown in there so it's still approachable but not in a way that it feels like it's beating you over the head with just tragedy yeah has been hard to like find a common ground because I guess many of these people are very very different from you um, and, and like very random things can happen like in this multiple personalities video I think it's one of the better videos uh, I've seen mm. in a very very long time and mm. uh, suddenly one of them changes their personality is that like a hard thing to handle once you're in that interview like you know in, in the way you should react how's that been yeah in that video specifically that was one of um, that was one of the videos where I, I had to throw everything that I expected out the window because no matter how much I, I thought, okay, if they, if they switch on camera with me, I'll just keep rolling with it. But it was like, I couldn't wrap my head around the concept. So I couldn't wrap it, my head around it fully enough to, to have been able to anticipate the fact that when they switch, they literally might not know who I am, what we're doing. It's like you're talking to a different, it's like that person left and another person came in, you know? So I, I could not have ever prepared for that. And I think it was, it's strange. It, it, that moment does stand out in my head as, as a very fundamental part of of my my connecting with people and it was it was a little scary because i it put in a perspective oh this can this can actually happen you know it's real it's yeah. it's real yeah yeah exactly not that i ever thought it was fake but it's it became so much more yeah. real here in the moment and it did kind of give me a little bit of a panicky feeling. So I was like, oh, wait, do I do this? Are there times where I lose, I have a lapse in memory or because I dissociate a lot, you know, and, and mm. for a large chunk of my life, my way of dealing with my, um, you know, I didn't even get into the fact that I had a, this long period where I, had, where I had intense panic attacks and anxiety and I felt like I couldn't function for, for a few years. And um, I was actually going through it when I sold Smosh. I wonder if that com contributed. I just thought of that. but. <laughs> I would dissociate and I would feel like reality was not real. I felt like I was, I was my thoughts and that was all that I was. And then I was just perceiving the world through someone else's body, living someone else's life. And that is a very scary feeling of feeling like I wasn't real. And I kind of was, was, you know, faced with that feeling because that's exactly what they were going through. And also in that moment, I realized that these feelings that I have kept secret for so long, I never told anyone that I felt those things. People were comfortable talking about it, that they could get help for it, that they could be comfortable living their life, knowing they have this thing and not feeling like they need to hide it. And I also realized that this is just, you know, a, a more extreme version of something that happens with all of us. We all have a part of us that feels a little bit more like an adult. We all have a part of us that was traumatized by something in our childhood that we sometimes revert to where we're like, you know, we get very angry or frustrated by something where another person wouldn't because they didn't have our life and experiences. That's a, that's a part of us. So we all have multiple parts to us that make a whole version of ourselves. I mean, we can integrate them if we become very aware of them and feel a little bit less like we're being pulled in these different directions. But this is just an extreme representation of something that can happen when very, very traumatic things happen to someone at a very specific time in their life when, you know, the brain is more malleable and forming around the age of seven to nine. 
And just because I didn't go through the experiences that they, they had specifically at that, at that age range, I'm not experiencing it in the extreme way that they are, but there are many different ways that I do experience very similar things. And that really put it into perspective. It made me realize that from the outside, people are like, oh, that's strange. That's weird. But it happens with all of us in very, very different ways, even if it's really minor. Has this shaped your, your new mission now? Like these conversations, your new mission of, of telling people that like, this is also how life can be or how, how have you been thinking about that? Like, what is it that you want to communicate? Yeah. And one of the most interesting things is I feel like I don't necessarily have to show people, um, you know, these ways that I, that I, I kind of do hope people feel and take away these things. I don't have to, sh- to, to show them that I want these things. All I have to do is experience it myself and feel these things myself. Mm. And it naturally is picked up on by the audience. I think I, I, I have had a lot of people comment, you know, I've learned how to have conversations with people that experience things that I could never imagine more. I've learned how to connect with someone that I might've initially thought was strange. And I think, you know, the, the, the best part about doing what I do personally, I feel is I get to just experience these things and it's just so happens that the cameras are there capturing. What is it that you're, uh, that are in your plans now. Do you uh, plan to build out? Uh, I spent the day with like in in the broader media, or or focus on the YouTube channel, or where's your head at now? I definitely want to focus on new media. I feel like at the time when I first got started on YouTube, everyone was like, "Well, YouTube is just a fleeting thing. You've got better use this as a stepping stone to go into TV or go into movies because this YouTube thing's gonna fail and <laughs> you can't make money any money on it anyway." <laughs> but now I think that it's more apparent that. The internet in general, you know, YouTube, I'll say specifically YouTube, is a place that's proven itself as a platform that will exist for a very long time, hopefully. And I want to continue putting resources into creating YouTube content. I feel like maybe I've maxed out on the amount of, I spent the day with videos that I can personally do. But in terms of press alike, we have some plans to do, to see what else we're capable of doing and bringing these experiences to life in different formats that aren't just here with me on these two chairs so we're excited to see where we can take that and and uh so if people want to see you know more of these videos and and more of you is that mainly youtube where they're going or are you also like focusing on on other channels if people want to just find more yeah i mean it's it's on youtube i think is the place that people can go to watch uh you know if they want a full perspective of a full video but we also have a team that uploads clips to you know, you got to upload clips and shorter content now to YouTube shorts, but then also TikTok and then Instagram reels and then Facebook and Snapchat. So you can find what we do on all platforms. But I think the best experience, if you want to watch a full episode from beginning to end, it's on YouTube. It's awesome. And um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see see what comes next from here. I think uh, this is uh, this is like the continuation of like a, a, a lifelong you know, <laughs> work. It's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, you know, in addition to, uh, doing this stuff, this is, this is, I feel like, you know, <laughs> I feel like it is one part of me that does this kind of content, but I still have this passion and excitement about doing, you know, a lot of the just silly comedy sketches and stuff like that. So kind of seeing where where all these different parts of me can take me with the different types of content that we can create are you still feeling like that's you know that's also what you like you still have your passion in like these comedy uh shorter videos as De- well. definitely i mean yeah. i feel like i needed to take a step away from it for mm-hmm. for long enough to be able to have a, a greater perspective but and i feel like i needed to to experiment with all these different um, parts of me with my my curiosity and learning about people but there's i feel like there's there's still this like sense of endless possibilities in my head where i want to continue to express myself and explore all the different types of things that i enjoy doing and having uh serious interviews that that are still lighthearted is one part but then also i just really enjoy laughing and creating silly stuff as well so there's there's room for both i think 
lastly, I want to ask you, um, how happy are you on a scale of one to 10 right now? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I would say, I would say I'm a nine. Mm, oh, it's very close to a 10. Very close. That's to a 10. amazing. I, f- I feel like I am at the best point in my mental health journey ever. Um, I feel like I've, I've kind of relinquished my uh, sense that I need to control and force everything to be exactly the way I need it to be. I've, you know, we, I trained uh, a team. Now we have 10 people working on the, uh, at press alike and mostly on I spent a day with now, but well. <laughs> 12 now. Okay. I just got corrected. We're, we're at 12 <laughs> now. And, uh, you know, there's so much room to grow. We have idea. We're already developing two new series. And I, I'm just so excited to see where life takes me and, you know, doing more, uh, having more conversations like this, doing more interviews like this. It's really helped me put in a perspective about how lucky I've been to just allow life to take me where it's taken me. And all these things that I've regretted, I've regretted selling Smosh in the way I did. I've regretted lots of different decisions that were really difficult at the time, but they taught me so much. And I wouldn't be here today if I didn't experience a lot of those things that initially I considered negative. So I'm just, I'm, I'm more excited than ever to see where life's going to take me. And I have, you know, this, this amazing team around me that can help bring all these ideas that I have to fruition. And I just keep, I, I have so much excitement about seeing ideas that I have come to life. And I'm excited to see where, where this all goes. I love that. I love that. I mean, thank you so much for, for yeah. sharing the story. Um, that's, uh, it's been very, very, very interesting to hear. And I'm also very excited to see what you and the team are doing next. Um, thank it you. seems like, yeah, you have a really good things coming. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited for you to see as well. Thank you for having me on and, uh, Thanks, for all the, the heartfelt, uh, questions. I can tell that you've, you've kept up with some of the history for a while, which is just <laughs> insane to, uh, for the, cause I did some it's homework. Insane that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's insane that Smosh has such a, uh, you know, and the things that I've done have, have created something that you could even do homework about. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's really cool <laughs> to know how this has all just happened. You know, it's, uh, it's been just a fun adventure.